Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, Dr. Jennifer, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is that we continue to address the issues between rural and urban America. It seems in the past couple of weeks we've lapsed into this animal care issue, probably precipitated by what is happening in Virginia Here's the thing, what's happening in Virginia and attempting to end animal ownership is happening everywhere. And somebody who is on top of the animal care system like no other, not only does she have clients, she has a podcast. She has every opportunity to shout from the top of her lungs the importance of animal care. And I have to say, on your own website, it says you are obsessed with infectious disease. Yes, that's true. That's a true story. <laughs> Coming true to story. us from Florida, Dr. Jennifer Chatfield. Boy, I've been looking forward to this, and thanks to Craig Curry. Life will never be the same thanks to what that guy did here. <laughs> well, that's probably true, but we, we, we don't want to give him too much credit. We won't, we won't even be able to talk to him. He needs you know? credit. He needs credit. Yeah. <laughs> so what's your, yeah. what's your day-to-day like, Dr. Jen? Oh, well, I mean, clearly, uh, clearly I'm living the dream, right? Uh, and, uh, every day is another day in paradise here. No, no. So you, you can't be living the dream because you at some point in time lived in Texas. You now call Florida home. This is just not dreamlike. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. Well, but I also live, I also lived on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. for a bit. And you wouldn't necessarily call that living the dream either. Although at the mm. time, it was good. And actually, it brings me back to uh, what you just mentioned about um, legislation that attempts to prohibit animal ownership through usually through uh, onerous and unnecessary regulation. And, uh, you know, I could I could have stayed on my farm mm-hmm. and not really made a difference. Or I could have moved to Washington that year and had a chance to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Right. Two different paths. And so, oh, yeah. So, but, but it, whoa, 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 whoa. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Yeah. You could not have made a difference if you stayed on your farm. You can stay on a farm and make a difference. Well, that's true. But for me at the time, when uh-huh. faced with the opportunity, right, my, my opportunity was to take a gig and roll up to our nation's capital. Right. Um, shake hands, make friends, influence mm-hmm. people, or remain on my farm. And I don't know about you, but one reason that I like living on my farm is because I might go two or three days and not have to put on town clothes. Right. I could just keep on farm clothes. <laughs> and so, <laughs> that's, that's, why, that's why we call farm life the original social distancing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that, that sounds like a dude statement, not like a chick statement. What? It does. What? It does. It's like right. a guy would say, I don't want to get dressed, so I'm just going to stay here on the farm. Or, 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 Trent, yeah. is it quite possibly what every fella dreams the girl would say? Oh. So much for uh, animal care. We're now going to talk about <laughs> psychology and what it is that men think that women want to think. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I mean... You know, everything everything is related to everything else. Oh, no, it's right? all mindset. It's 100% all mindset. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. No, I know you're telling me the truth. All right, so I interrupted your path. <laughs> my, my fault yeah. about that. 
But I just had to jump in there because I heard you say I could stay on my farm and not make a difference. It's true. It's true. It's true. And, and I will tell you this. Um, I believe every single farmer uh, does make a difference uh, on a daily basis almost. Um, and so, so I shouldn't say that. But for me, in my situation, I was not likely to, to be able to, to have an impact if I had stayed where I was. Right. And so, yeah, so the choice for me was to, was to roll up Tornation's Capital. And one thing it did was crystallize for me that um, folks in that intensely urbanized area um, had a different life experience than I had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no doubt. Which is what, which, yeah, which was always interesting. Um, now I know when you go to Washington, D.C., is people come from all different walks of life to Washington. Everybody come in there for the same reason, right? They want to have an impact. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so, so it's interesting. But yeah, so we did, we did, uh, we moved to Florida and I am living the dream because the weather's spectacular. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at blue skies. What are you looking at? What do you, what, what's going uh, on today? Over I've been there? looking at smoke for two weeks. It's not been pretty. We have not had a good sunrise or sunset in two weeks. Oh, yeah. Oh. And we're getting Colorado oh. fire remnants here in central Nebraska. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. but, you know, I've been to Florida in mm-hmm. May, June, July, and August, and that's really just nothing I want to be a part of. <laughs> well, I must have a little bit thinner blood, I guess. Yeah, must I like. Be. Yeah. you got to like it when it, because like, I've been to Nebraska as well, right? Like, right. I've I, uh, been up there in um pretty dry there most my experience mm-hmm. when i'm there is pretty dry and uh, i like to i like to wade through the air a little bit oh that's like what I, I don't want to do wade through the air <laughs> i like to uh, have it kind of wrap around me as i walk out the door <laughs> um, oh, you, are, you are strange okay <laughs> so uh what i was alluding to in virginia is that mm-hmm. they are the first state in the nation to create an entire agency, an animal criminal investigation unit. Mm-hmm. So it's not part of some other law enforcement. They're creating this whole system, and it seems to be stacked with animal rights zealots. And so that, that's, that's very problematic, and that's what I was alluding to earlier in Virginia. Is that something you focus on? Um, not, not in particular there, mm. that exact, that, like, um, detail, like right. that unit and that state. But, um, I gotta tell you that legislation, and I don't think I'm telling you or your listeners anything that, that they're not already aware of, that probably for the last 20 or 30 years, legislation has been slowly in, in some places and rapidly in others creeping towards prohibition on animal ownership mm-hmm. um and so this you know this seems like just another another piece of that um because there are inherently in the name of it they're saying it's criminal to to own animals right that's correct absolutely mm-hmm. see we're on the same yeah. wavelength but i also mm-hmm. will tell you that i think it was 2002 i could do a quick search it all mm-hmm. started in florida okay potentially i wasn't here yet Right. Note yourself. <laughs> okay, we're not we're not holding you accountable to this happening, but okay. I, I'll look it up. And I don't remember now okay. what what the bill was called. It was three numbers, like two fourteen, uh, mm-hmm. 
And it was a piece of legislation that made it criminal to house a gestating sow in a crate. Oh, yes. Now, Pete, you've called that by the appropriate name, which is the ban the pork industry bill, then I would have recognized that. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I think Jennifer, it was 2002. But mm-hmm. in my mind, it was a test run for those individuals who want make it illegal to own an animal right we're going to go to florida mm-hmm. we're going to try this and of course we in right. the pork industry we responded by saying oh of course they're in florida there's only two pork producers that are going to be affected which right. wasn't the right answer the right answer was no. we put them in these individual sow gestation stalls to protect themselves right. from other sows because they're rude they're mean and they're bullies yep. but we didn't right. do that and then once no. we lost in florida they went to Arizona, did the same thing, yep. and since yep. then it's just been Katie bar the door in creating legislation to make mm-hmm. animal ownership illegal. Mm-hmm. But you know, but I think wasn't the original one of those victories? Wasn't that um, <clears throat> that proposition in California in the poultry industry? That was two thousand eight. Oh, okay, so it was after that. Yes. So also pig, pigs, pigs were first. It was pigs well, and, and Florida you know, first. <clears throat> You know what I think is always interesting about these things, um, because a lot of times folks will, will ask me for my opinion on these these sorts of issues, right? Right, right. And the the, the first thing that I'll say is, uh, well, if I haven't personally been to a pig farm, like mm-hmm. let's say if you called and asked me about the sow gestation craze, sure. If I haven't personally seen them um, in use, I'll say I don't I don't know. But give me a minute. That's not something that. I know much about. Right. Let's talk to a let's talk to a guy who does this every day. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, what happened, as you know, is that a lot of folks are presented with what appear to be facts, all the facts they presume, because people interested in animal care and animal welfare, they would never mislead them by only giving them half a story, right? That that would never. And happen. no, no, no. And they, they're presented with this set of facts and they say, oh my gosh, it must be horrific, even though I've never been there. Right. And then, and then those people start talking really loudly. Mm-hmm. And, and I so have to you... talk really loudly because my clock mm-hmm. says that we're going to take that much oh. needed break. And we'll come back with segment two. Dr. Jennifer Chatfield, my guest, coming to us from an undisclosed location in Ocala, Florida. We'll be back with more after this. Speaking of the challenge to animal ownership, that's the entire reason the movie The Stand at Paxton County was made. It's on Netflix. You can watch it. I suggest you watch it. This is inspired by a true story. I'd love for you to see what's really happening. The other side finally being told, The Stand at Paxton County. It's on Netflix. Welcome back to Roll Route Trent Lewis alongside Dr. Jennifer Chatfield joining us from Florida. Uh, what did you say, Dr. Jen the, the vet? No. The, yeah, Dr. The vet. Jen the vet. Dr. Jen the vet. Uh huh. I was going to say yep. you should be in media because you're pretty good. But, um, <laughs> okay, so you just led me into something that we absolutely mm-hmm. must talk about today. Are okay. you familiar with the situation unfolding as we speak in Chicago with? Adam Hollingsworth, otherwise known as the Dreadhead Cowboy. The Dreadhead Cowboy. Correct. No, I must I must admit in this public forum, I am unfamiliar with anyone using the moniker the Dreadhead Cowboy. So Adam has, has become a friend in the last few months, and I found him okay. because um, he grew up in inner city Chicago. 
He, mm-hmm. he grew up in the gangs. He grew up in that whole stereotypical thing that you would think about. Uh, he spent time mm-hmm. in prison. He's been there. He's done that. And he, look, when he got out of prison, I don't know how many years, I think four years ago, his uncle uh-huh. had some horses. And Adam just knew he needed to make a change. So he went out and okay. really fell in love with these horses and started riding these horses. And then he had the, a passion for kids. And so the reason I've had him on mm-hmm. this program twice in the last two months is because for the last two and a half years, he's been riding around inner city Chicago with his horse, teaching kids that there's a better way. This is that guy. Yeah, this is the okay. redhead cowboy. And so okay. uh, Monday, Monday afternoon, mm-hmm. he yeah. decided that these kids in the city are not getting enough attention. In fact, you can go to his Dreadhead Cowboy Facebook yeah. page, and he did a live video. It uh-huh. said, all kids matter. Oh, we need to focus on the kids. We're not paying attention to the kids. I'm going to do something to get attention to the kids. So he went out on the Dan yeah. Ryan in Chicago, rode his horse. Uh, yep, Dan yep. Ryan is like I-94, completely blocked okay. traffic, created this big old jam. Well, naturally, they mm-hmm. arrested him. And mm-hmm. yesterday, I could not believe, Jennifer, all of the people who watched this video, and they're like, they, nobody, nobody's paying attention to the reason he did this, which was to bring a greater <laughs> sense of what the kids need in terms of mm-hmm. creating opportunities. All yep. anybody's talking about is, how cruel is he? He loped a horse on an interstate on a pavement. Look how unsound <laughs> that horse is when he gets done. I'm like, I'm not there. I don't know how unsound that horse is. I know no. for a fact that if I lope my horse in the pasture, and I'm lucky not to walk into a lope into a prairie dog hole, my horse is going right. to be standing on it when we're done. We're holding a leg or just doing something just to kind of start that. Re- no different than a marathon runner. And friends who are in the horse business are sending me notes saying, you can't support this guy. I don't know what the situation with the horse is. By the way, I do know Adam contacted the Illinois State Police and told him what he was going to do before he did it. Really? Yes. Well, but you know what? But that's what, but that's the whole thing, right? Like, so you have these, these folks, right? They would be, um, you know, we might have called them Monday morning quarterbacks, right? Because they're after right. the fact. Right. They're just looking in from afar and, and opining. And it reminds me of something that my dad, um, said to me when I was growing up, well, he said two things that I think you'll find interesting in the current uh, circumstances. Number one is he said, Jennifer, your mouth's always going to get you in trouble, so mm-hmm. keep it closed. And then he also said, um, make sure when you give your opinion, you can name the person that asked for it. Because if you can't... <laughs> I like your dad. Asked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe nobody asked for your opinion. So I have to say, for all these people who are watching TV... And opining on the soundness of that horse. Number one, what makes them someone who can provide an opinion about the soundness of a horse when watching them on TV? Mm-hmm. Because some people can. There, there are some people that I know that, that, okay, they know a lot about horses. They're my phone a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of them would say, yeah, I mean, I could sort of tell you something, but man, they're not going to stand solid on that opinion just watching it on TV. Right. Um, and, and number two, who asked them? Right. That's the thing that, that just blows me away. And I must say, right, I'm a, I'm a veterinarian. Don't hold it against me, listeners, right? I'm a veterinarian. Um, but I'm an animal person who accidentally became a veterinarian. Because those are two very different things. Mm-hmm. Right? And veterinarians, they love to, t- like, they'll watch that. And I guarantee you that some of the folks that opined on the soundness of that horse or on the, um, 
welfare, and you guys can't see it because this is radio, but I'm using air quotes, welfare Actually, of that horse. I can hear it, yeah. You did? Okay. I did, yeah. Okay, good. I tried to effectively communicate, but um, You're doing they well. opined on the, on the welfare of that horse from a 10 to 15 second snapshot of that horse in a traffic situation mm-hmm. on TV from a helicopter, I suspect. Yeah, it was from and a helicopter. They, yeah, and, they, and then they said, Oh, well, I'm going to render my, my verdict that that horse is clearly poorly taken care of, unsound, and in pain. Yep. And you nailed it. How, how, but how reasonable is that? That's absurd. That anyone would even listen to that. You know? That anyone would listen to that is absurd. Yeah. And, and I must say that that, but that that kind of demonstrates, illustrates, I don't know the correct term, I'm not a grammarologist, but, but crystallizes for me the need for what the guy is trying to do with those kids in the inner city right there. Because he's trying to, number one, draw attention to their current situation in Chicago, which is just read the statistics, right, and, and we can all we all know what's happening. And number two, how often do kids who are in an inner city situation and everything that goes along with that, how often are they exposed to a real live horse and a guy riding one. Once in a lifetime, probably. Yeah. And so then that leads into the, another situation that's happening right now in my industry, in my professional industry. We're talking about diversity, right? And the lack thereof sure. among veterinarians. Well, people have become so far removed from animals that most kids may not even have known what that was. Are you talking about the criticism that I got once again last week where I said that we are in trouble because 85% of all vet students in the nation are white suburbia affluent women? So there's so many descriptors used in that statement. We'll have to tease them out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's do that. Let's do that. You can't trick me into agreeing to such a complex statement right there. It's not complex. It's a true story. It is a true, it is a true story, but what, but, the, but, so there's, so there's been a shift. And if you hear, I, I'm parked in a parking lot right now. So if y'all hear that buzzing, I, they're doing some lawn maintenance. I don't know if you guys can hear that. Right? No, chosen we, to do it. We, we can't hear it. But if, if it sounds like okay. a buzzing and it's me, you know, like the gong guy, <laughs> I don't agree with that. <laughs> uh, well, then I'll just press on as I generally press do. on. Um, yeah. So, um, so we, we do have the situation with that. And I, I'm sure that, uh, as I'm told all the time, uh, that there's a, a lack of veterinarians that, that are available to work in large animal industry. And they include pigs, right? When they, when they include, when they say large animal. Correct. And I and, feel and like, chickens. like, and chicken, anything that's not a dog, cat, or apparently now <laughs> ferrets get special status too. Well, Although, why, seriously? like, yeah, like why you would have a, like a weasel run around your house, I don't know. But 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 this is America. Jennifer, and I, I, happy and I never once America. in my life thought about how we consider a five-pound chicken to be a large animal until right now. <laughs> but, but we do, right? Yeah, we do. Because, but Go again, ahead. it's because of the it's the it's those generalizations that we make, right? Like, uh, although I will tell you that there's been this rapid rise of the urban chicken. Uh, backyard chickens, right? Backyard poultry have become a, a big, a big thing. They are a thing. But, um, we, we apparently have a lack of veterinarians who are 
working in large animal medicine and, you know, we, we we've got this shortage. We, mm -hmm. and, and I think to myself, <clears throat> really? Really? Um, now, what, what people may be trying to state is that in their opinion, there's a lack of the utilization of what they deem to be the minimum veterinary medicine, maybe. Mm. But when when you're cranking out new graduates from best schools <clears throat> who don't think that it's appropriate that if you have 10,000 head of cattle, that considering the fact that that vaccine costs a nickel more than this vaccine over here, multiplied by 10,000, if you have veterinarians coming out of school who don't think that's a legitimate consideration when selecting the vaccine you're going to use, why, why would you use those veterinarians? Why would you integrate that veterinarian and their care into your uh, program? I have to go, but we'll pick it up right there. We'll be opining <laughs> on the issue when we get back to the second half of Roll Route right after this. Let's talk frankly for a moment about the future of food animal agriculture. It involves genomics, looking at the genomics, knowing exactly what alleles are present, undesirable, or possibly traits that you do not want to have. You know, just one example that we've not spent any time talking about, but that is that there are certain genetics resistant to diseases. For example, there may be cattle resistant to E. coli 157H7. Can we identify those genomics and propagate those through the breeds so that we minimize food safety challenges? That's just one example of what genomic testing can provide for you today and tomorrow. Shining a light on your genetic future, it's Neogen. And the Igenity test, the Igenity test does not test today for E. coli 157 I was just giving you an example of where we're headed. It does tell you about some of the desirable traits, though. Details at Neogen.com. Welcome back to Roll Route. Trent Luce alongside Dr. Jennifer Chatfield joining us from Florida. Dr. Jen, the vet. Uh, you can find her easily on the web. I write down significant words that trick my fancy. Today I've got I've got two written down at this moment. Opining okay. has been used four times yeah. by Dr. Jennifer. And one that I'm stealing and Mrs. Fisher is still spending in her grave, my high school uh -oh. English teacher. Uh oh. Grammarologist. <laughs> yeah. My English yeah. teacher, Mrs. Fisher, who was also my parents' English teacher, by the way. Oh my goodness. She would daily tell me in class, Trent Luce, I yeah. don't care if you are going to be a farmer the rest of your life. You still should know proper grammar. And so when I reminded um, the high school of that, when I was asked to come back and give the commencement address twice, and she was in the <laughs> audience, people uh -oh. absolutely loved it. They did. Grammarology. I'm sure they did. That's my new, yeah. my new chosen profession. No charge, no charge, no charge, friend. There's always a charge. L listen, uh, Bernie. It's true. It's true. I'm, I'm everything <laughs> costs. It does. <laughs> All right, yes. so we were headed down a path that I think we should abandon for the moment. Maybe we'll come back to okay. people understanding right, large. I, I want to spend a little time <laughs> on something that I think you, is right in your bailiwick. Okay. Z zonotic diseases. There's oh, yeah. a there's a level of fear 
People don't understand, you know, um, all the time, these uh, the individuals, no matter what walk of life they come from, and they're worried about mm -hmm. GMO foods, or they're worried about mm -hmm. this or that, mm -hmm. or this other thing, they sleep oh, with yeah. their dog, and the number one yep. transfer of a zoonotic disease is brucellosis yep. from the person to the, from the dog to the person, and yet they're worried about me and my health. That's right. Where, where are we at with understanding zoonotic diseases, and what should people know? Oh, my goodness. I'm so glad you asked. This makes my whole week better. Um, so uh, public health and zoonotic diseases have never been sexier than they are right now, right, okay. in the context of COVID-19, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And whenever people, um, up until now, whenever people would talk about how dangerous certain animals are because they are prejudiced against certain animals, um, I would say, really? One of the most dangerous animals on the planet is the domestic cat. Right. Right? Yeah. And people would say, you know, people say to me all the time, too, because um, uh, my, my uh, once-in-a-lifetime dog, um, that I, which was the first dog I ever had, she was a red border collie. She was the best dog ever. Um, her name was Daisy. And uh, people would say, because she went everywhere I went, people would say to me, oh, does she bite? Can I pet her? And I would say those are two very different questions. Mm -hmm. And um, number yes, one, she bites. Go anything, ahead, pet her. <laughs> anything, yeah, anything with a mouth. Look, anything with yeah. a mouth will bite. Okay, right. and given the right set of circumstances, anything with a mouth will bite. Um, and number two, no, you cannot pet her. Um, and uh, it, it always floored me when people say, you know, does she bite? I mean, yeah. Um, and zoonotic diseases are something that people have become very comfortable with the the level of risk for an animal that they like. Yeah. Um, and I think that's great, right? Because as a veterinarian, my, like my only job, the only reason that I exist as a veterinarian is to help you learn or make recommendations for you to continue to live safely with the animals that you love. Now, that could be, you know, in a production situation because farmers – Farmers have a deep and abiding care for the animals that they have, too. Uh, or that could be the dog that sleeps in your bed every night. Mm -hmm. It could be the, you know, the cat that you talk to when you walk into the grocery store because you see him every time you walk in there. He's right there out front. Um, but, yeah, so zoonotic diseases, uh, people, people should take notice of. And I don't know, Trent, have you heard of this? Have you heard of One Health? I have. Okay, you tell me what you think about One Health and what it is. Uh, what I think about it, and I don't think I'm well-versed. I have heard about it. And what I think is that okay. if somebody has a notion that there's mm -hmm. just one standard health protocol that we should have for everybody, and let's just put it in today's context. Oh. Uh, okay. Because COVID is the worst thing that's ever happened to mankind, everybody Clearly. should be mm -hmm. vaccinated because we know that mm -hmm. that's what's best for you. So the entire world should do this. One mm -hmm. health is there's one system mm -hmm. that fits all, which is wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, so I do think there are some folks who use the One Health moniker, and that's what they're talking about, 100%. Mm -hmm. What I'm talking about <clears throat> is, uh, is what um, – probably most of your listeners know as like a regular Tuesday afternoon. Okay. So one, the one health initiative um, is what I'm referencing. And that means that the, the concept and the philosophy that 
the uh, human health, animal health, and environmental health are all dependent on each other. So that if you have healthy animals, you have healthy people, you'll have a healthy environment. Mm -hmm. And it's like a three-legged stool so that if one leg falls down, right? Like you have a, if you have unhealthy animals, at some point it's going to bleed over. You're going to have unhealthy people. Mm -hmm. Um, But we grew up on the farm. You just, you just know that, right? Like you don't hang out with people and you don't have sick animals at your place. But I agree with you that people are trying to determine based on their assessment of the, the threat of COVID-19 that everyone should get vaccinated right now. Right. Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, so the so no, I'm not familiar with that form of women's mm-hmm. health, but oh. uh, uh, but I do find it interesting that we have the healthiest planet we've ever had. Mm-hmm. I can document that. Yep. In yep. the United States, we have, mm-hmm. and I think most of the developed countries, we have the healthiest animal population in the history of mankind. Yeah, that is correct. And I don't think the human health population has kept up with the other two because of poor choices. Uh, Right. Poor poor choices. So I think, I think from an infectious disease standpoint, particularly, we do have one of the healthiest human populations from a, from an infectious disease standpoint. Now there's all sorts of other. Oh, I'll totally give you that. Yeah, yeah. I, let's just use the the one growing problem that people can't seem to get a handle on, and it's their fault, not anybody else's. Diabetes. Diabetes, which is usually a sequelae. We're talking about the one that's a sequelae to obesity. Um, or or, or al- Alzheimer's, dementia. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, that's type three diabetes. is pretty well documented now. But I just it's been on my mind all week because. We're we're now talking about human diseases, but you can transfer this over yeah. to animal diseases and what people don't know. Every That's single right. hour, you get news stories about twelve more people tested positive in Sherman County, Nebraska. Well, who cares how many people tested positive? Right. How many people uh, had some issue that led to a chronic diabetes problem? Mm-hmm. Because three point mm-hmm. seven people, three point seven million people in the world die each year mm-hmm. from diabetes. Mm-hmm. And 10% of the United States population has a diabetes problem. Let's focus on what the prevention of that is. And by the way, before 1930, and we figured out how to use pigs and insulin to treat diabetes, the the medical doctors prescribed fat and protein as a means of preventing diabetes. What happened to that? Wait. Okay, You, you set me off there. Sorry about that. I, well, no, that's okay. You, you could you could stay on your soapbox. It's totally fine. I'll, I'll drag mine out. Um, and not that it matters, but I bet mine's a little taller. But um, I, I think that what people forget is, um, and I found it fascinating with the coverage of COVID-19, that it, it is, it's interesting to me, the number of positive cases, but it's only interesting in passing. And I will say this, this, it's horrible if you have had a loved one who had the disease or died from the disease. I, that, that's horrible. But it's horrible when you have a loved one who has any disease, especially one that they die from. That's horrible for any family to go Absolutely. through. But when we're talking about population health, we have to put a little distance there so we can talk about it effectively, right? Mm-hmm. And the number of positive cases to me is only interesting in passing. 
Um, what, what the of more interest to me is who's been hospitalized? How many of those are there? What are their comorbidities, right? What other illnesses do they have that led them to be hospitalized? And then, you know, how, how many deaths have we had? Because if you look at that right now in the country, we're on the back side of the curve, man. It's going down. Yep. And, and you and won't get that on that, the news today. No, no, that's the thing. That's what I find yeah. fascinating about the you know human behavior. And the other thing is that this coronavirus right now is a it's a sparkly item, right? Like, right. It's a sparkly item. So people are people are sort of talking about it. I mean, now they're not. Now they've moved on to the Supreme Court. That's what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. But um, this coronavirus is is going to come and go, and it would have come and gone faster. Right. Um, and I'm glad we opened up schools, at least where I live. Are schools open where you live? Oh, yeah. We're pretty much normal. Yeah. And we're pretty much normal where I am, too. I mean, you can even go visit your your loved ones in the nursing home here in Florida mm-hmm. if you wear a mask. And I will I don't mind telling you that I think they should take those same precautions for people visiting folks in nursing homes who are vulnerable to every single infectious disease on the planet. Right. They, if they'd have been doing that. For the last 10 years, we would have decreased the number of deaths in nursing homes, right? But they didn't. They're only doing it now, um, which I think is interesting. But we got schools open and kids are going back to school. Influenza is still out there. It's still circulating. Uh, yeah, it's still going to. It is. I, I, and there's, had, there's a new one. I had. We're not going to talk about a new one until we come back because I'm like 30 seconds okay. away. <laughs> But okay. you may know her, a very dear friend of mine from Ohio, Dr. Leah Dorman, who is a mm-hmm. veterinarian. And mm-hmm. uh, I was venting my frustration to her about how the medical community just doesn't get it. And she put it no. in a context that I think you'll understand better than anybody. She said, well, mm-hmm. keep in mind, Trent, that medical doctors are are mm-hmm. trained to treat individuals. Veterinarians right. are trained to treat the group. Well, I'm not sure. That may have been true 20 years ago for veterinarians. Ah, perfect place to pick it up. Anytime I can prove Leah Dorman wrong, I'm all about it. We'll be back for the last <laughs> segment of Roll Route right after this. All right, now let's talk about branded beef programs. The certified Piedmontese opportunity is exactly that, an opportunity for you as a cattleman to tap into something that's going to pay you better for what it is that you're producing. In this case, you're producing a beef that the consumer is willing to pay more for because the Piedmontese cattle possess the myostatin gene for tenderness. More details about how this could be beneficial to you, and Marlon Will has full details. And he's traveling the northern Great Plains today. Details at LungCreekCattleCode.com. Talk to Marlon. Welcome back to Roll Route, Trent Loose, and to the final segment. I broke my own rules during the break with my guest, Dr. Jennifer Chatfield. The rules are you don't talk about the topic during the break because you waste good stuff. I, we weren't going to talk about coffee, but I just had to get I had to I had to profile you. I can profile people based upon their coffee preferences. I see. Okay, and so what's your, what is your profile then, sir? Because I just uh, told you. Yeah, you're you, you like too much sweet in your coffee, which means it's um, true. You you feel like you have to artificially sweeten yourself instead of just being natural. And you only drink a moderate amount of coffee because you're afraid you're going to Mm -hmm. get too wound up. 
that's my profile. Don't care well, whether, whether I'm right or not. I'm right it. in my own mind. Dang it. Dang it, Trent <laughs> You may right. not be right. You may not be right, but I don't think you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't need to say that. I was I was plumb fine being right without your uh, conferring that I'm right. Yeah, but you're pretty close. All right. You're pretty close. So uh, what I find really interesting is you mm-hmm. when I gave you that story about Dr. Leah Dorman, you said she's old. Mm-hmm. No, no, I didn't. Um, <laughs> well, you, what your exact words were, we that's the way we used to do it back in the old days. Right. right. <laughs> but so what, and that, that's the thing is that veterinarians, um, that you, if you graduate, depending on when you graduated from vet school, because I'm going to put myself in her camp and I'm not old, sir. Right. Um, I, I did not imply you were. Okay, good. I, I can't hear that. It's not even 10 a.m. over here. I can't be hearing that I'm old. Um, but population health is something that is applicable to the field of agriculture, mm-hmm. right? If we're going to do commercial uh, production. Right. And most veterinarians who come to school these days, when they with the entering classes, the majority of their uh, – or that I have seen, right, the majority of their experience or exposure to veterinary medicine has come from we had a dog when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. That's it. Or they volunteered at a shelter, right? And, and, and we're not exposed to population medicine. You would think that a shelter experience would be population medicine. However, it, it is not always. And so they're focused on the individual. And that is what a lot of physicians or, you know, human doctors, we call them RDs, right? Real doctors. That is what a lot of physicians are, are taught is individualized medicine. Um, and I want them to think that when they're treating me, I should be the only, the most important creature in their life at that moment <laughs> when they're treating me. When I get um, sick, Jennifer. Mm-hmm. I'm calling you. I'm not calling the RD. <laughs> well, um, if you have a zoonotic disease, I, I'm definitely your person. What's I can your, be your phone and friend. What would your favorite zoonotic disease for me to have be? Oh, oh, I don't want you to have any zoonotic disease. Trent. Okay, but if there was a favorite. Well, that's a tricky question because like, one of my favorite zoonotic diseases is the Nipah virus. And... I don't want you to have NIPA because the likelihood of you surviving is very low. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's a fascinating pathogen. Tell me about NIPA. I know nothing about NIPA. Oh, oh, oh my goodness. As a, as a pig guy, nothing. Mm-hmm. So NIPA, it doesn't exist in this country, right? The NIPA virus is one, um, of course, that originated in bats, as all good diseases do, right, these days. You should like, never hang out with bats. Um, but so the bats have it, and pigs are the intermediate host. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, there's been uh, several outbreaks in Asia. Uh, it started actually in Malaysia in a village outside Kuala Lumpur um, when it was first identified, and the name of the village was Sungai Nipah, so it was called the Nipah oh, virus. It. Um, it's a respiratory respiratory issue, of course. And um, uh, it, it has a very high mortality rate. In humans, 
Um, and if it's diagnosed in pigs, it's a high mortality rate because the government uh, depopulates them right away. And in fact, um, it is so uh, contagious that um, the government at the, at the time, like uh, they had an outbreak and the government to euthanize, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and maybe thousands of pigs, they the most efficient and most humane way they had was to bring in sharpshooters that would be on catwalks. They would run the pigs in, you know, um, and they would depopulate them. And the sharpshooters got tired of their PPE, their personal protective equipment they had on all these, you know, they had the moon suit on. So they took off their masks, their respirators. It wasn't just a surgical mask like we see, but a respirator. They took them off. Every one of those sharpshooters died Hmm. because of aerosolized nifovirus. But uh, so how do you balance that? Because... Uh-huh. I think the average person today hears you tell that story and they're like, oh, my God, I'm never going to get around a pig. But the oh. reality is it's like one in a gazillion that that's going to happen. Oh, 100%. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And and I'll tell you. Um, so we have doc- like Aunt Jen because I have mm-hmm. two nephews and a niece. So I have Aunt Jen's rules to live a long and healthy life. Right. Okay. okay. Um, and uh, they're really easy. In fact. You probably heard them from your mom when mm-hmm. you went to preschool and kindergarten, right? So it's, so it's number one, uh, close your mouth, right? Close, right. close your mouth. You uh, have one mouth, two ears, use them accordingly. That's what my mom said. Yes, right? Like you were given two ears for a reason. Right. Um, and uh, number two, don't hang out with sick, sick people. Don't hang out with sick animals. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then here comes the one that really saves you. Um, and there's a couple versions of it. I think for your um, your adult listeners, we could say, if it's not yours, don't lick it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I have heard variations of it um, after I started saying it. People come up and say, you know, I, I heard your lecture before, but this is what this is how we say that one. And then they would giggle, right? And mm-hmm. and they'd say, you know, if it's wet and made by a stranger, don't touch it. Mm-hmm. Right. Those things will keep you healthy. Yeah, that's common and sense, though, and that's just kind of hard to come by. 100% is common sense, right? But I say it like that because when I when I talk to owners, right, like if a dog comes in, I diagnose the dog with something like lepto, leptosporosis, which you can get by being exposed to contaminated urine. Right. Right? I say, well, for the next two or three weeks, we're going to have a moratorium in your house, a pause on drinking dog urine. Yeah. And everybody Do they drink laughs. that chilled or off of the stove, by the way? Have it however you like. I don't judge. Okay. Yep. So while you're here, okay. I am seeing a rash of social media pictures lately with all mm-hmm. all walks of life mm-hmm. and people putting their lips on cat oh. or dog or uh, every, every animal under the sun. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. kissing them and they're... Why? What, mm-hmm. what are you thinking by doing this? Uh, you know, I I think if you do it, I would presume it's a calculated risk on your part, right? Because you, you have to know. No, you have no. to know. Apparently they risk. don't. They, apparently they don't. Mm. Well. Are you seeing the same thing? Yeah, but I don't know that it's new. Like for me, I don't. It's not new. Like, I, oh, like I've maybe seen that's that for maybe I'm just tuned into time. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
and people letting dogs lick them in the face and in the right. mouth, whatever. And I'm like, well, that that's your choice. And again, I, I that's their choice. And I don't, I mean, I, I'm not here to judge anybody. I don't have right. robes and a gavel, right? I don't get paid for that. Right. But I am here to help you that when you bring your dog to me and, you know, you say, well, gosh, doc, can you look at this? And, you know, you pull your shirt up or your pant leg or whatever. And I say, yeah, you should have, that's something you should have a doctor look at. Mm-hmm. Um, I can help you connect the dots that this wasn't a good idea, but it does, it does not make it a dog's fault. And that's where we get back yeah. to people don't realize it's safe. And the ultimate worst is when they have their dog or cat licking their toddler's face and think it's cute. Oh, yeah. Well, or have you ever been sitting outside a restaurant and, you know, maybe you're waiting for for a table? Although, Trent Luce, I I don't think you have to wait for a table. You're a VIP, right? You go right on in. They're ready for you. I don't know what VIP stands for. I probably don't want to know. (laughs) But for me, I gotta wait for a table to be ready. Mm-hmm. And there'll be cats outside the restaurant, and I'll see a mom saying to the two-year-old, "Oh, oh, look how cute! Go pet that kitty!" And they're trying to take a picture. Mm-hmm. Where do you eat? And I'm wait- And well, I'm waiting for the cat, right? The cat. I'm like, this, this is a bad plan. What are you yeah. thinking? These are poor decisions. These yeah. are poor decisions. So uh, yeah, but but uh, people have forgotten. You, you're not going to believe this. One and a half. One no. One and a half minutes, and then we're going to take a break for like you know a month or something. <laughs> what what well, do we right. what do we need to most know as we leave today? Oh, what you need to most know is that um, the world is not on fire. The world is not on fire, and it is okay. It is okay to live with animals. As long as, as long as you, uh, make yourself aware of what the risks are and you can mitigate those, you can live long, healthy, and happy with animals. And you might live long and healthy without them, but I don't think you'll live happy. And so I want your take on this before I say goodbye. Um, I'm greatly concerned that we now see 84% of all pet owners consider themselves to be mother or father of their pet. I think that's dangerous to the human race. Oh, my God, yeah. Are you kidding me? 100%. And the moment that, that, that those pets, those animals are not considered legally property in mm-hmm. the legal realm, mm-hmm. I'll to practice veterinary medicine. Yeah. That would uh-huh. be a great topic. You're going to have to come back soon, and we'll do that. How about next Wednesday? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I would love it. I would love it. Anytime. I would love it. I have so enjoyed this. Yeah. I have so enjoyed this. I so much appreciate you asking me uh, to come on and chat. Why well, I've got a chat field present. Why wouldn't I ask her to chat? <laughs> We've successfully journeyed uh, down... Ask Doc Jen again. <laughs> Ask the uh, Doc Jen the Vet dot com. Yeah, Doctor Jen D R J E N the Vet dot com. Doctor Jen the Vet dot com. That's right. All right, get a hold of. Oh, and on YouTube. 
but she would only join me on the radio. Go figure. We have successfully journeyed down the road connecting rural and urban America. Both Jen and myself remind you that all roads do lead to a rural route. Reminding you, if you're not happy with what you're getting in the commodity cattle prices, what are you going to do different? Lone Creek Cattle Company provides you the opportunity for something different. It's a certified Piedmontese system. Details at LoneCreekCattleCo.com.